You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. What's up, y'all? Another episode of Clapback Culture. I'm your girl, your co-host, Jules Jesse with Converge Media, alongside my co-host, my co-captain, Mr. Mike Davis of the South Seattle Emerald. What's good? Hey, what's up, Julia? Hey, man, I'm, I'm liking that crew neck. Where you get that at? Hey, you know, this is teed up all the way with hey. the VAP. You already know. Gotta, get, gotta give T-Dub the shout out one time. Had to Man, be. one time for the one time. Hey, I love this. I actually love this crew neck. It's like the perfect material, everything. So y'all make sure, we'll drop the link later um, in the show. Uh, Cuddy, make sure you drop that in your show. And shout out to Cuddy on the ones and twos in the back, making sure we're uh, getting this show done. So love yeah, to have yeah, you here Cuddy's also, Cuddy. Back there, man. We got to get this going, man. Cuddy got things to do tonight, man. Cuddy's about to go see her. If you're in oh. Seattle, you know it's about to be popping in there tonight. So you're going to see Cuddy. So make sure you say what's up. Oh, word. It's lit. It's lit. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into the show. You guys, we have a good show tonight coming up. But unfortunately, we have a lot of bad news to share. Um, but first things first, um, let's go ahead and jump right into it and talk about the suspect in the Brooklyn subway train shooting that was arrested by the New York City police. We have a clip. That was some crazy stuff, by the way, you guys. Um, it happened in New York over the weekend. Or excuse me, that wasn't over the weekend. It was this week. And a gunman went inside the train dressed as a construction worker with a gas mask and let off some smoke bombs in a train in Manhattan and then just started shooting up the train. And so passengers on that Manhattan-bound train literally were dodging for dodging bullets um, on their Tuesday morning commute. It was wild. It was crazy. Um, we do have a video. Let's play that. We'll come back and talk about it. Recovered at that scene was a Glock 17 nine millimeter handgun. Three extended Glock type magazines. One was still in the weapon, one under a seat, and one in a backpack. We had 33 discharged shell casings, 15 bullets, five bullet fragments, two detonated smoke grenades, two non-detonated smoke grenades, a hatchet, a black garbage can, a black milk type style rolling cart, the gasoline, and a U-Haul key. You know, I have been realistic and outspoken about my commitment to protecting public safety. I stand by that and will continue to do everything in my power to dam the rivers that feed the sea of violence. But this is not only a New York City problem. This rage, this violence, these guns, these relentless shooters are an American problem. 
It is going to take all levels of government to solve it. So, yeah, that's wild, you guys. Um, I see that uh, someone put in the comments, Chad, you put in the comments the YouTube video before his account was taken down. If you have the link, drop that for us, bro, so we can take a look at that. This is so tragic. Um, and honestly, I I was in shock hearing about this. And I was also in shock to, to see the face of somebody like this. I mean, you just... I, I guess it's kind of prejudiced to think like, who would this be like? Cause I was thinking like, what? But this is like domestic terrorism at its finest. And I think they need to blow this guy up and throw away the key. Like 10 people shot, 13 people injured, like all of the weapons that he had on him, the gasoline filled container and all of that. Like he came to do damage and wreckage. You guys, this person should never be free to walk the earth again, period. Well, I mean, they're they're going to get into that. Um, I, I seen that comment, too. It, it's floating around, but you got to let you got to let the police do their jobs. What I will say, though, about this case is that I, I think there's more to the story, to be honest, like everything you say. Yes. Is it a tragedy? Absolutely. But there are just some facts that are just a little bit strange, I guess you could say. I mean, he told on himself. Right. Like he called the police, told the police where he was so that he could be apprehended. Um, he was literally just walking up and down the street. They had video of him from when he came into the station. And, you know, people in New York was like pointing them out like, oh, there you go. And people was calling and reporting when they picked him up. So I say that to say that, like he wanted to be caught. And um, whoever is in the chats talking about the videos and his social media and some of the rhetoric that this guy had been using, um, I want to be clear. I wouldn't call this guy a black supremacist because there's messages from his social media that said all N words should die, even though I am one or like something to that sentiment. Like this is a person that was just disturbed and he wanted to be caught. And now that he is caught, I think that we're going to find out later what his motive is. He seems like one of the cats that ain't going to be like he's going to be ready to start talking ASAP. One of these things, like when we think about this, is just the fact that his motives were unknown. When people do violent actions like this, their motives always seem to be unknown because you just never can really understand. I'm very grateful that no one was killed in this, right? But I yeah. also think, was that a part of the plan as well? Like, because how do you let off so many shots and nobody dies? Like, the the level of injury i don't know like i mean i guess that's just god's will that no one passed away but i'm just thinking like was that also a part of the plot was that he just wanted to injure people i'm not really sure but this is a tragedy um and if you're you know you think about just your your daily commute there's so many people going back to work now the the trains are you know absolutely flooded i called some of my uh my family and friends that are in new york and they were like you know we just got off the train you know and barely missed this and so you think about you know, how vulnerable you can be just using public transportation um, and, and something like this happens. I mean, I, I just, again, like I said, lock them up and throw away the key because this person is disturbed and should not and absolutely probably will not ever see the light of day. I don't I don't think somebody like this should be trusted in our society. Yeah, absolutely not. And the good thing is he has been apprehended. So we'll see what comes next. But they already got him off the streets. That was step one. That was step one. And to your point, I love that a lot of people like galvanized together and turned this guy in. 
Um, and, and, you know, that's what, that's what it's all about. You guys, you know, we got to work as a team, work as a family, um, here and here in the world and just try to make sure that people can remain safe. So this is, um, I don't, and I also don't think this is a gun violence issue. You know, I, I saw, uh, the New York mayor making like comparing this to a gun violence issue. And I'm like, this is more of mass shooting. And I'm not sure if it's correlate they're related they're related but they Mm -hmm. are separate issues and i understand what you're saying because that's how i felt when i heard the mayor talking because it sounds like his thing is all this is gun violence and guns on the street and more police but man new york man they got enough police if people want to do things like this it's going to happen this isn't street violence this isn't interpersonal violence this isn't one person getting mad at another person and letting some rounds off and you got casualties this is a calculated hit this is somebody that took steps he threw smoke bombs onto the train to create chaos and then fired into the smoke like People are going to be able to do this. You can get the guns off the streets, but people that want to do things like this, they're still going to be there. Like this issue is related, but it's it's not the same thing. I agree. This is this is something else. This is yeah. this is just yeah. wow. People that this are disturbed, wild. that want to hurt as many people as possible at one time, they're going to do that whether there's guns on the streets or not. You know, like they're going to figure out how to hurt people. This is mental health. This is something different. This person, they need to figure out what was up with this guy. But like you said, they got to get him up out of here, man. Society ain't the place for somebody like this. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, somebody else who is making headlines, you guys, is Elon Musk. He's talking. He made a big boy offer to buy 100 percent of Twitter offering uh, to pay fifty four dollars and 20 cents per share and to take social and take the social media company, you guys. Twitter revealed in a securities filing on Thursday that Musk offered to buy the company outright for 34, excuse me, 43 billion with that big boy money. Um, And he basically goes on to say that having a public platform is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization. He said he doesn't care about the economics at all. But here's a quote that we have on screen, you guys. He said, I believe free speech is a society is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. I now realize the company will neither thrive nor serve this societal imperative in its current form. So Elon Musk, you guys, you know, he's a he's a way maker. You know, he's a a shift, a shift changer. He's trying to come in and take over the game because he sees what is happening with the way that we in which we communicate. And so he wants to have some of that power. I think it has absolutely nothing to do with economics or him making a profit. He's the the richest man in the world. Uh, And so I think this right here is just power and control. Like you got the platform, you got the voice and he's going to be able to change and control how the voice is heard. Hey, this is, this is, this is scary. And and it's, it's, what you said, it's it's the peace, the power and control. Like mm-hmm. this is a straight power play. And I don't know what his motives are. I think what worries me the most about this, honestly, is that quote is that free speech aspect. I don't know if the billionaire class really wants free speech. I mean, when we look at the idea of free speech in this country and look, I, I know the forefathers are not technically my forefathers or 
I guess because of rape, yeah, but that's a different issue. But their idea was they came to America, they were escaping taxation, they were escaping the, the grips of government that they had across the pond, and then they came over here. And you know, when you look at other countries who don't have free speech, speaking against their governments can get you killed. It can get you jailed. Like it's not something that their citizens get to do. Whereas in America, yo man, you could hop on Twitter right now and make fun of Joe Biden as much as you want. You could hop on and say whatever you want about Trump, say whatever you want about government. Nobody's going to come arrest you. So when I hear people talk about free speech today, especially when we're talking about conservatives, especially when we're talking about the elite class, it's more so about can I be a bigot? Can I say racist things? Can I say these things? Like that's how they're looking at free speech. So I don't look at Elon Musk going to Twitter and saying, I want journalists to be able to do journalism freely. I, I just, I don't believe that that's what his motive is. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm not inside of his head, but it just worries me having him be the one to take over Twitter, knowing that social media has the power to swing elections. And what is Elon Musk's motives going to be? And then when you look at the company that he runs, I mean, you look at Tesla, yo, we got, we got a black dude that just sued Tesla and just got awarded a $15 million settlement because he was an elevator operator at a Tesla plant in California. And he got called the N word over 30 times by a supervisor. Yo, they was calling bro the N word in front of other employees. Other employees testified on his behalf. That's how he won his lawsuit. Like he reported it to the superiors of his supervisor and he was still getting called the N word on the regular at this Tesla plant. So it's like, yo, is this the type of free speech that Elon Musk wants? Because if that's what he's trying to do with Twitter, then I'm not here for it. You know, we always talk about people who have mega money and talk about how they're like, they're not black, they're not white, they're not young, they're not old, they're just rich. Like these people are not the same type of people. And Arlo, thank you, Cuddy, for putting this comment up here. Because this yeah. is exactly what I was thinking. Musk is trying to keep up with the Joneses in terms of buying Twitter. And you got to think his competition is the metaverse. So if he can get control of Twitter the same way that the metaverse is, you know, all encompassing of Facebook and Instagram, I mean, you're controlling the narrative with this. And so Literally. I'm sorry, Leon, I disagree. This has nothing to do with money at the moment. This has everything to do with power and freedom of speech. Musk is such a troll on Twitter. He's such a troll in terms of like crypto and everything. Like this is the worst person and the best person simultaneously to take over <laughs> Twitter because he understands how to use the platform so well. And I think that with his leadership, it's going to really transcend the way that we use Twitter right now. But I also think that we're moving into a very slippery slope because Elon Musk is a troll of all trolls, you guys. Like he literally will drop some stuff just to go viral. So I, I think it and, and, and I also I mean, whatever he's doing with Tesla and the practices that happen at the organization, I think I'm not sure if those practices necessarily will lend itself to what he does with Twitter. Should he you know, get the purchase? I think right now the bigger issue that we're we're talking about is power and control. And should there be a little manipulation sprinkled in there? Yeah, probably so. So we should be on the lookout to see how this all rolls out. Again, $43 billion is a lot of money to throw into the pot. So it's not like he's just throwing his money out there. I'm not sure what he's worth. 
Um, I might Google it during the break, y'all. But if he's willing to drop $33 billion on this, y'all, he knows what he's doing. Let's just keep it up. He knows. It, it is. And, and it, it's a power play. We know that it's a power play. Mm-hmm. This is going to be interesting to see how it actually plays out because this is a publicly traded company. So it's not as simple as the board of directors coming together and saying, nah, yo, they have to go to the shareholders and they have to have a vote. So there is a there is a really serious chance that he's able to pull this off. And if he does, then now we're going to have Zuckerberg as the head of Facebook. We're going to have Elon Musk, the head of Twitter. Um, and, you know, IG is already owned by Facebook. So it's like these guys are going to have a lot of control over American politics. And that that just doesn't really sit right. It's crazy. Honestly, it, it's just it's hella crazy. But listen, y'all, we'll keep you guys up to date if the filing is complete, if the deal is made, um, and we'll go from there. But look, our next topic is something not so fun to talk about. But Mike, I'm glad you brought it to the table. Some police video has been released of a white officer fatally shooting a black man in the back of the head after a scuffle over a stun gun, you guys. We don't have, um, uh, do we have the clip, Cuddy? Were we able to get that? Nah, no clip. Okay, no clip. Well, no worries about that. Good. What I can say is that this. Well, you know what? You're right. I'm glad it. I, I'm glad it wasn't a clip. But the footage, you guys, make sure you guys go up and look at the footage because it's super important. Patrick Lyola, Yayola. Well, I don't know how to say his last name. You guys, excuse me. I'm sorry, you guys. Can we cut to Mike really quick? <laughs> so people yeah. just walk through. I'm sorry if you guys. It's can hear all. It's all good. It's all good, Julie. We know what you got going on. Yeah. But yeah. So we we there was a video of this black man in Michigan. He got shot in the back of the head by a police officer. It's always hard when we get back here. It's the conversation that we've had here with y'all plenty of times, and I hate having to have it again. It's just. Every time we have it, it sparks a national conversation of what he should and shouldn't do. And we're talking about compliance in this particular case. um, He is accused of taking the police officer's taser. I think that what has jumped out to people who have actually seen the video is the fact that at the time that he gets shot in the back of his head, he's face down with the officer on top of him. So at that point, the point where he's shot He's not a threat. He's not in a position to do anything to the officer. He can easily be cuffed and apprehended at that point. Instead, uh, he ends up shot in the back of the head. There's also a moment in the video where the officer who shot him turned off their body camera. And that's another conversation. You know, we got cops. They're wearing these body cams. How do we often not get footage is because these cops like to turn off the cameras when they're in these confrontational situations. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot that's going to come out. I don't want to get ahead of everything and start speaking before more facts come. From what I've heard so far, he was pulled because his plates and tags didn't match. And somehow we're in another situation where a black man is in a routine traffic stop and he ends up dead. Uh, I want to look at some of the comments, man. Can you put O's comment up real fast? Yeah, and bring me back in. Oh, Julie is back. But (laughs) I listen, we got to put O's comment up on the narrative is a scuffle over over a taser. But that also implies he tried to take the taser and use it against him and use against him. Honestly, the real true story in this is that when the officer first pulled up, 
the it, that Patrick wasn't English wasn't his first language. He was a Congolese immigrant. And so there, the communication barrier is what threw the whole entire interaction um, upside down to begin with. The officer stepped to him and said, do you speak English? And he paused and hesitated and said, yes. Listen, you guys, we have to do a better job. If you sense that somebody is not able to understand you, slow it down, slow it down. The fact that he sat there, he had, he you could tell based on the video that there was a lot of confusion in terms of the interaction. You know what I'm saying? Why are we pulling people over and killing them if, if the tags don't match the car? Why are you even tasering him? If he ran, like, he, he's running in flip-flops, you guys. The man had on I mean, why pull him out the car? That's my thing. It's like, why, are, why do so many of these traffic stops end up with somebody being pulled out of the car? Give him a ticket. It, it don't match up. Okay, cool. Right. Give him a right. ticket and let him go. Right. Like, why, why can't we get tickets? I, I just don't understand. Like, these traffic stops don't need to end in death. Period. The traffic stop alone was very confusing, you guys, when I watched it. I mean, I had to watch it three or four times because I was like, I am I missing a piece? Like, what happened right before Patrick got out of the car? I mean, I'm not certain if the officer pulled Patrick out of the car because it, the way the video happens is that Patrick is already out of the car when the officer steps up. There has to be a level of just regular citizenship, right? There has to just be the human factor in that. I'm having a conversation with somebody to say, hey, your tags don't match your car. What's going on? Right? Like, do we have to make the implication that the car was stolen? No. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, like, let's say he just bought a car, right? Let's say he bought a car off Craigslist and he used that person's car to, or the, some different tags just to drive the car home. You know what I'm saying? I've done that plenty mm -hmm. of times. You know what I'm saying? Is it illegal? Maybe. But am I just going home? Absolutely. It's not a big deal. We can have those kind of conversations. So if that's the case, like let a conversation happen. How is it that you go from using a taser not once but twice and then you pull out and shoot this guy in the back of the head? Like it, it, it we once have to he's talk already it's like he's subdued at that point. Cuddy, can you put Dre Franklin's comment up here? Because Dre makes a good point. And, and with Dre, uh, he says it's part of their job to create misinformation. I would argue that it's not even part of their job to create misinformation. It's the fact that there's no accountability when they use misinformation. Like, yeah. they, they've gotten such a free pass to create their own narratives or to literally just lie to the public and lie in police reports. And there's never any repercussions that it's like misinformation is now their go-to move, but it's not their job. It should have never been their job. But with, with lack of accountability, it's like a tool that they get to use to excuse things like this. I mean, the minute a police officer turns off their body cam, that should be a penalty. Like there, there should be yeah. some sort of repercussion for that. Like why would this cop, what reason did this cop have tussling with, with, uh, with a suspect to turn off the body cam? Like that's not a moment that you turn off your body cam. This is what we need to see. This is what you're wearing it for. So until we get actual accountability and I know like, oh, and Trey have been talking about this. Uh, we talked about it on morning update when I was on last week, but when there's no accountability for police officers, stuff like this is going to keep happening because they're allowed to do it. Bless you. Thank you. Excuse me. Sorry, you guys. Allergies are kicking. It's allergy season. Um, no COVID over here. 
But I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you guys, they, the family has hired civil rights attorney Ben Crump, um, and they're going to continue to look into this case and do their due diligence in terms of investigation. The press conference with the family was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I mean, it was just like the, the, the mother and father both don't speak English and they had um, a translator for the entire press conference, but the words in which they spoke and, and talking about their son, the father of this young man, I mean, we're talking about a 26 year old victim, 26 years old, he's a kid with so much life to live. And the father was just so absolutely devastated because he said, you know, my son, this is my firstborn son. And I thought he was going to be able to take over the family. And so now they're burying their child. And it's just, we have to think about that. You know, um, someone put in the comments for the police officer, or, or yeah, uh, Andrew, he said that the officer went from zero to 100 real quick. Why are right. we looking at people that were pulling over us threatening to begin with? Like, can't we just, like, we need to just have some conversations and work on de-escalation. I don't know how many times I talk about this on this show, but golly, you got You're to do some de-escalation right. tactics. And I know we got to move on, but I just got to say, too, that, you know, as as a journalist, as a member of the media, I think that we also have to take some responsibility in some of these situations. And I don't mean we like me. I mean, we like all of us, because so oftentimes we see police present these false narratives and then the media just runs with it. Like the yep. media will just take police at their word, even after all of this evidence, all of these situations that we can point to where the police lie or the police misrepresent. And yet when you look at like the big brand media, they're so willing to just take police narratives and run with them as fact without even doing their due diligence. And that also perpetuates what we see with these cops and these narratives. Respect. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, you guys. And when we come back, we want to talk about some comments that Cam Newton made on the podcast, on the billionaire podcast. A million dollars worth of game. Yes, I actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard of that. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about it. When the pandemic hit, it did affect me as a barber. I had my own personal reasons why I didn't get vaccinated. At the time, I didn't check the actual source. I thought the vaccine was developed too fast, but I was talking to the doctor and he was telling me more about the vaccine and what it could do to protect us and our family. I wanted to get back to that once was, right? I do feel safe knowing that I am vaccinated. I just hope what I'm saying is reaching into people's heads to know that this is the best decision for all of us. All right. I, you know, I always like the music in the merch break, you guys. Make sure you guys cop some Converge merch, you guys. Get a hoodie, get a hat, get a T-shirt, get something. Support Black-owned media one time for the one time. All right. But this is such a good topic, Mike. I'm so happy you brought this up. But Cam Newton is catching heat for some comments that he made about women on Million Dollars Worth of Game, the podcast. Can I also say I really love Wallow and... Um, and uh gilly really? gilly he got a new instagram y'all somebody somebody hated him on uh instagram he, he's blaming it on Wiz khalifa but that's besides the point <laughs> make sure you guys go follow gilly's new page on instagram he's got a lot of good content but this is such a dope podcast and cam newton was on there you guys he's a free agent quarterback and he caused a social media firestorm for some comments that he made about the roles of men and women we do have a clip let's watch it and take a, and we'll come back and talk about it uh, I grew up in a three parent household, my mom, my father and my grandmother. And uh, I knew what a woman was, not a bad bitch. OK, what's the difference? A woman. OK. A bad bitch is 
a person who's just, you know, girl, I'm a bad bitch. You know, I'm doing yeah. this, I'm doing that. I, I, I looked apart, but I don't act apart. Okay. You know, and it's a lot of women who are bad bitches. And I say bitches in, in, in a way not to degrade a woman, but just to, to, to go off the aesthetic of what they deem is a boss chick. Mm -hmm. Now, a woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of times when you get that aesthetic of like, I'm a boss bitch, like I'm a this, I'm a dad, no baby, like, but you can't cook. Okay. You don't know. You don't know when to be quiet. You mm. don't know how to allow a man to leave. So I'm gonna. The clip to me ended a little bit premature, because I think his point was missed. Because he cleans it up in the end, in which he concludes that clip, y'all, by saying that men need to learn how to be men as well, right? Um, and he he just talks about more and more about different. Uh, gender roles, but more from a traditional standard that we learned that we knew from way back then. What I can say is, is that I don't disagree with some of the stuff that Cam Newton is saying. You have to be able to listen to this, um, this podcast in full conversation, right? Because if you just take that clip, I can understand why people are clapping back and saying like, these are very archaic, right? And that he should unlearn these gender roles and that everything is more gender neutral. But I think he doesn't miss the point. I think you miss the point if you don't listen to what he's saying. Oftentimes, what, he, what we're seeing now on social media, especially in heterosexual relationships, I'm pretty sure he's speaking in terms of Black uh, culture, is that he's coming from a three-parent household, a mother, a father, and a grandmother. And he's talking about women being able to be led by a man. I don't think there's anything wrong with this, Mike. Honestly, I really don't. I think a woman should feel comfortable enough to be led. I think they should feel comfortable enough to be submissive to the man that they love if that man makes them feel safe, right? And so I think even if you take away the male and the female aspect of it and say, should one person, you know, the head of the household, if you will, be able to lead, um, or even it, it should be neutral, right? Like if we're in a relationship and we're partners, I should be able to lead my partner and then I should be able to know when to fall back. And my partner should be able to know when to lead me and vice versa. So I really don't see anything wrong with what he's saying. Um, I, I don't know if he's necessarily saying like, women need to know how to cook. I think that's not his point. What he's saying is, these some of these females out here popping in on social media is like, yeah, I'm a bad bitch and I'm a boss bitch and I'm gonna get this bag and I'm a you know, I got all the BBLs and the designer clothes and all of this, but baby, you can't cook. Like, how can you take care of him? You can't take care of me. He's talking about being nurturing, right? You don't cook, you don't clean, you don't, you know, you don't rub my back, you don't rub my feet, you don't, you know, you don't give me words of affirmation. You just are worried and busy about being a bad, a bad bitch. And I agree with him in that. I think he he's cutting it down, but I totally understand what he's saying, even with the things that he did not say. So Y'all go back and listen to the full clip because I agree with Cam Newton. Yeah, he uh I think I think what really got him into into hot water on social media is that they cut the clip at don't know how to be quiet and that woo that that touched some people's buttons. But I, I yeah, think when you listen to everything that he said, it, it makes sense because what I got from it was 
partnership. That's really mm-hmm. what I got from it was, and, and to be a partner, you got to be a partner. That means somebody's bringing this to the table. You got to bring that to the table, man. And I think what he means when he talks about the whole aesthetic, he's just saying, man, look, you, you have to be more than pretty. You, you got to do more than just show up and be here. You have to have something to contribute to the relationship. And I think that that's why he points out how he grew up in the household with his mom and his grandma because they contributed to the household and they they were more than just a trophy. Like, you know what I'm saying? They were there. Okay, you could, what can you do? So I think that what he says makes a lot of sense. I think the way that it got clipped wasn't really fair because in the at the end of the conversation, like you said, he also looked at men and said, yo, men have to be men. And I actually listened, man. I listened to the whole interview that he had. And Cam Newton's an interesting person because he's not a really good communicator, but he is a pretty good thinker. And over the years, he's had a lot of quotes that were bad because as a speaker, like it just doesn't always come across. But you can tell that he thinks about these things. And, you know, he just talks about what social media is doing to the generations behind him in our society and how they they just have this disconnect from what's real versus what's presented and really you know there are people behind these profiles Mm -hmm. but if you spend all your time trying to build up your profile but you Mm -hmm. never become an actual person in real life then you're missing and that's a piece of you that's missing. And when you're going out and you're having relationships, you're not going to be able to really connect in that relationship because you're not an actual person. You're just this picture of a person that you've presented and you got to have some substance behind that. So I, I agree with Ken. Man, that's that's good. That's good, Mike. That's really good because I think you you put it into full view. Cam Newton was talking about the difference between being a bad bitch and a woman is that a woman is somebody that doesn't just look the part, but they act the part. And again, I don't think that Cam is wrong for saying that. I absolutely agree with them 100% because right now we live in a world of aesthetics. And so we're talking about people that will put on this full face, throw on their glam and everything else like that, but then they don't know how to treat their partner, you know? And so it's like, you look good, you looking good, you smelling good, but what can you do that is good? How can you make me feel good? Um, and I think, you know, I, listen, Sheena, I agree with you. You know, we all we're seeing nowadays on social media is nothing but BBLs and handbags. And so we really miss the mark in terms of what it takes to be a solid partner to somebody. And listen, in our next topic, I can tell you, I know that all too well. So people need to take some, um, some, some cues uh, from from how to treat somebody in a relationship. Now there was some clapback though because Cam Newton does have five kids outside of wedlock, so <laughs> I'm not sure he's that good in relationships because clearly he was out here being fast. Okay, <laughs> so Cam, we're not sure if you're you're banking this off experience. Okay, but I do agree with you, bro. That you know, um, yeah, it is what it is, but. Listen to the full podcast. What I can say is that, you know, stuff that goes viral, listen to the whole thing, y'all, because people could take clips of me and Mike and, and say that we said something wild all day long. Uh, <laughs> Brazilian. Can we get into this next one, man? I think I think people want to people want to know people. If you watch right, the morning update show today, then you might already know. 
if you guys watch the morning update show or follow me on social media, then you guys know I got some really, really good news. Can you tell? Can you see the glow? Do I look different? Because I'm looking good and smelling good, but I'm a woman acting the part, y'all. So let's play this clip and we'll come back. You know, we were planning on having a very long discussion with Julia Jesse about, uh, you know, national headlines and uh, about clapback culture was tonight at seven o'clock. But somebody came home. So, yeah, Trey Holly, that happened. Rodney's home. Oh my goodness. Shout out to Jules and Rodney. This is such huge news. Um, I, I'm over here like holding it down my emotions right now because I'm so ecstatic and so elated for them. You're talking about an amazing black love story. Of course, y'all know that I'm into these stories. Want to make sure that we're always taking the time to uplift black love. Shout out to you, sir. Rodney, welcome home. Jules, Oh my goodness, much needed time off. I hope that you're really able to embrace him like we just saw there every single moment. This is so huge, man. Shout out to both of them. Wow. Oh, what an amazing start yeah. to today. Leah, I think you got some new guests for your next installment of uh, Black Love. Hey. Hey. You guys, you're not going on Black Love? Is that, is that official? Listen, I text them. I had, I think I said it in our group chat, and I was like, "When's the next installment of Black Love?" Not knowing that Rodney would be released, you guys, because it was just as much as a surprise it was to me as it is to you guys. But I am just so happy. We are absolutely gonna do the next episode of Black Love with Trey Holiday. Um, it's already in the works. We're already in discussions about it. Rodney is on board, but you guys. I am just so grateful and so happy. You have no idea. Um, it's such a blessing. When I tell you that I have been intentional, praying, fasting, believing, doing the work, I'm seeing some of y'all online that have been way makers and helping me read through different legal documents. You know who you are. I won't say your name, but I am just so grateful uh, to be standing in this moment Bay, I know you downstairs <laughs> and be able to see this black man walk around the house. OK, so I am my heart is full. Like it is just so full. Like you guys have no idea um, what this has been. And I just appreciate all the love that we received today. All your prayers, all your, you know, your blessings, your warmth, your positive energy that you guys have been sending my way. You guys, I feel like Rodney has been like a third leg on the show because I bring him up all the time. Um, but again, you know, that's why I, I can agree with what Cam Newton is saying. You know what I'm saying? Because when you really have a partner, you do the work. And so this has not been an easy journey. I'm sure I have gotten on that man's nerves <laughs> for a long time. But I can say that we continue to persevere and our journey will be told um, someday soon in the near future. So you guys can understand the beautiful, beautiful love story that we continue to have. So I'm just grateful and blessed. All right, well, congratulations. You know, we're all happy for you. It's all rolling in through the comments. And look, man, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't share some opinions too in the comment section. So we might have to, <laughs> there might have to be a cameo, man. He might have to bring some of them opinions live on air. Oh man, listen, we gonna have, listen, he, I don't know if we can filter Rodney because he, he's wild. <laughs> But, you know, Rodney actually helps me with the show. So sometimes we'll be on the phone and we'll, we'll, you know, before we would talk on the phone and I would throw him a topic and he would help me like think about 
you know, a different perspective or get a different male perspective before I came on the show. So I'm definitely going to continue to do that um, with my bae. So shout out to uh, my bae, my boo, the love of my life, Rodney. I'm so grateful to have him home, you guys. Yeah, congrats, congrats. And we got to take a break. But when we come <laughs> back, we got one more topic for y'all before we get out of here. When the pandemic hit, it did affect me. As a barber, I had my own personal reasons why I didn't get vaccinated. At the time, I didn't check the actual source. I thought the vaccine was developed too fast, but I was talking to a doctor and he was telling me more about the vaccine and what it could do to protect us and our family. I wanted to get back to that once was, right? I do feel safe knowing that I am vaccinated. I just hope what I'm saying is reaching into people's heads to know that this is the best decision for all of us. Welcome back, y'all. Man, I don't even know how we're supposed to follow all that love with this last topic that we got for y'all. So I'm going to just dive right in it. Um, you know, we've been talking police accountability. Y'all done heard it all the time on Morning Update show. We just touched on it today here. And, you know, we got one more clip that came out of Florida that we want to bring to y'all. And, man, I, I remember just seeing this on my social media feed and... Yo, it's rare that I'm kind of surprised by something that I see with the police at this point. But in case y'all haven't seen this clip, we're going to play it for you. But what you're about to see is a Florida police sergeant getting very angry and aggressive with a black suspect who is handcuffed and in the police car. Um, as he starts to escalate, there is a junior officer who's a woman and she's a trainee. And she pulls the sergeant away from the suspect who's cuffed. And he turns around and grabs her by the throat. And he gets extremely upset. And I think that it's, a, it's an important conversation to have. And a lot of these policing conversations, especially in the ones that we've been having since 2020, I feel like a lot of rhetoric that we hear is, you know, not all cops are bad. And, you know, there's there's some truth to that. I'm not going to sit here and say that all cops are bad, but I will say that it feels like it's easier for a bad cop to be a bad cop than it is for a good cop to be a good cop. Because when you have that good cop, you have that cop that's willing to whistleblow. You have that cop that's willing to step in when they see force being used. It, there's so many examples of the repercussion that the quote unquote good cop faces. In this clip that we're about to show you, the repercussions of being a good cop is literally being choked on camera by your superior officer. So uh, we're going to talk about it on the back end. But right now, I just want you all to prepare yourself. Just a little trigger warning. There is a touch of violence in this clip. But Cuddy, can we can we play the clip for the people? Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You want to play games? You play with the wrong motherfucker. What you gotta do, man? You gonna mace me, mace me. Look at me, motherfucker. You wanna play games? You ever get disrespectful with my motherfucking officer? I will remove your fucking soul from your fucking body. Yeah. So, uh, that—that's what happened, man. It's 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 disturbing to see, you know, because. When you when you have cases like, you know, what happened to George Floyd, like I just seen that R.I.P. come up and people mm -hmm. say, well, man, all those cops were there and nobody did nothing. This is what happens to the cops that actually do something right. Like he right. literally. So go ahead. Go ahead, Julie. I don't want to cut you. I, I was trying to look at how much time the additional officers got 
because they were found guilty in the George Floyd, the George Floyd case um, for not intervening. And so we see this junior officer step in and try to say, because the officer goes up and says, I'm going to, I'll snatch your MF and soul from your body. Right. So he's totally going crazy, going mental uh -huh. on the person that they already have in custody and handcuffed sitting in a police car. So he's in, and the junior officer who's a female steps in shout out to her um, who, who pulls the officer from his waist belt and is like, yo, chill out. And he grabs her and chokes her back and say, don't put your MF and hands on me. That is the type of thing that we need more, right? Because, and, and what I think she really did was really uh, courageous and heroic in a lot of ways, because it was one of the officers that were on the job in the George Floyd case had only been on the job four days. And so they keep calling her a junior officer. I'm not sure how long she has been on the force, but I can't imagine the level of courage that it would take to step in um, to be able to reprimand in, or maybe not even reprimand, but to correct a senior officer, right? Because it's very much like military roles in a, in a sense. And so to have her be able to step in and say, actually, I don't think that's right. And you're going too far and pull him out of that situation and take the heat for that um, is commendable and heroic for sure. It absolutely is. And I mean, it's just, I, I don't see how we get to a place where policing can change when like the whole system is set up to not hold police officers accountable. I mean, we got these powerful police unions that anytime the public wants to take a step towards actual accountability for police officers, the police unions are always going to step in and do whatever they can to block it. Like, it's hard to be a good cop. It's hard for her because who knows what type of repercussions she's going to face in that situation. Him, he'll be just fine. Yelling at somebody and saying you're going to snatch their soul from their body while they're literally handcuffed and defenseless. Like, yo, that flies every day. Cops do that. That's nothing. He's going to get away with that. But grabbing your superior officer away from that suspect, like that's what police have decided won't fly. So until we yeah. can get to a place where that is flipped on itself, then we're always going to come back to having these conversations with, with black men being shot in the back of the head while the police body camera video was turned off. Man, some really good comments. Leon's comment where he mentions that this is a de-escalation tactic. This is absolutely a de-escalation tactic, but just from a different situation. It, it wouldn't the the individual was already in custody, so they did absolutely need to take the energy down a little bit. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so I think she did right by pulling, pulling her, you know, the sergeant out of the, the situation. Um, Harry Jefferson, can we talk about the, this man grabbing her by the neck? Isn't that a charge in and of itself? That's what I thought. And you so. Think? And, it, and, and let's go ahead and answer Arlo's question. Is the union going to protect the junior officer? So they have not named the junior officer in the complaint. She did file a complaint. The officer who grabbed her by the neck has been um, terminated, I believe, or under investigation. Uh, so he's sitting down um, doing some leave. I'm not sure if it's paid or unpaid. And the, the union is, is saying, we're not going to come out and tell you who the officer's name is because they don't want her to receive any retaliation um, within the organization, right, within the police force, uh, because this person, um, the officer, the sergeant, you guys, was, you know, more high profile. 
Uh, so this right here is is disturbing, you know, and I think she did the right thing. I think she did something that a lot of people don't do. And that's stepping in to do the right thing, even when you know um, that the situation could be bad for yourself. So she put herself in harm's way. So we need more officers like this. I think Leon brought it up that this happens much more than is being reported. So we do want to report on these stories as much as possible because yes. it, we're not anti-police, you guys. I, I'm not. You know, I listen. I call 911 when I need them and I want the police to show up when I want the police. I just don't want to be killed when they get here. Right. But I also, you know, think that we absolutely police officers have their place in terms of public safety. So this is um, this is good. And this this is good in terms of having an officer step in and bad because, you know, she should never have good because it was on that. camera. It was on camera and that's what's really going to change it. And I, I agree with you. I'm also not at all anti-police, but I am pro-people. I am pro-citizen. I did at one point think that we lived in a country where you were innocent until proven until guilty. Proven. I didn't think that police officers were also the judicial system. I didn't know that they were executioners. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you're innocent until proven guilty, once that man is cuffed and he's in the car, close the door and drive away. You've done your job. Now it's on to the prosecutors. Now it's on to the next phase. But instead of that, you got him trying to take that man's soul from his body. Like that's disturbing. And like police just have to stop overstepping. Like, yeah, we need police, but we also need accountability. And I know we got to get out of here. A lot of people had smoke for the George Floyd Justin and Policing Act, which didn't pass anyway. But a, a component of that act that I think about when I see this was the fact that they wanted a national a national registry for fired police officers so that when a cop does something like this and they get fired in Florida, they can't just come to Seattle and get rehired like it's all good. That bill died and now we don't have that registry. So, yeah, that cop got fired there. But who knows what city that cop is going to get hired in next? Like he will be back. He will be back in uniform and he will have the protection of the union in whatever city he goes to next. I think you and Leon are right in terms of like that was good because it was caught on camera and not only caught on camera, but leaked to the media. So that's a whole right, other thing. Exactly. So, exactly. all right, y'all. Well, I'm going to leave on the note of Tracy Jackson. I am anti-bad police. <laughs> uh, Mike Davis, when you're not here, where can I find you? South Seattle Emerald, man. Wherever you find Emerald, you'll find me. Also, morning update show Wednesday mornings with Owen Trey. All right. And I'm Jules Jesse. You guys can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Treasure of J-U-L-E-S. You know what it is. Please make sure you guys go follow the Clapback Culture Instagram. Me and Mike, listen, we working on it. It's a work in progress, but we are going to get that together. OK, one day. We are two of the busiest people we all know, I promise. All right. And we want to thank Cuddy who's working back in the wings and making sure that the show goes up. Thank you again. And we will see you guys next Thursday right here on Clapback Culture. Until then. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents.
Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.